Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Grayscale Gorilla podcast. My name is Nick Campbell, and with me today is Chris Schmidt. How are you, sir? Hello, hello. How's it going? Hello from uh, Chris is in Chicago. Uh, Chad is in uh, also near Chicago. How are you, Chad Ashley? Doing well, doing well. How are you? Wonderful. I uh, I'm I'm in Salt Lake City today. We're uh, recording. Hopefully, my audio is good. Got my coffee. Got my water. And uh, visiting some friends out here. They got this lovely uh, ceramic, what? what is that, triceratops, triceratops on the wall. If you see any horns sticking out, just let me know today. Uh, how's everybody doing? Feeling good? Feeling awake? Ready getting there. This? Getting there. All right. You feeling good? Last, last we talked, uh, the night of last recording of the last podcast, I spoke at the Denver uh, meetup, uh, Cinema 4D meetup. Uh, it's hosted by EJ, and um, it's also sponsored by uh, Maxon. So thank you, Maxon, for, for all the beers and everything. That was amazing. It was also awesome to see so many people show up. I had no clues uh, um, Denver had so such a huge MoGraph community. And I was there last year as well, but it's always surprising like how many people show up. So thanks to you who showed up, especially because it was like an awful snowy night. I think it snowed like... 13 inches or something that like oh. all night it was crazy oh. so hopefully everyone got home safe it was awesome to meet you and there was some like there's some cool themes like new things that this community is like bumping into that was really interesting so we might get to some of those a little bit later on the podcast but just wanted to thank everybody for coming out uh to the uh to the meetup so um what uh, what else is new we have any news any render wars news or anything uh popping up in the in the render Render Wars. It's pretty quiet. Pretty quiet. Um, I saw a couple new features dropped in Arnold uh, that I need. I'm not even sure if they're. I'm not sure if they're public knowledge yet. So I'll keep that under wraps for now. But there's Ooh, some secrets. Things, there's some. There's some just like little cool workflow things they've got going. Um, yeah. So nothing crazy. Uh, it's been pretty light on updates. So hopefully we'll have some more updates next week. Chris is also uh, his 3D printer uh, shipped. Was it last week? Oh, it got here like Wednesday, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. Why don't you tell everybody about the live streams? Because I think they're still live on um, on Twitch if they want to go see them, like opening the printer and all that stuff. So, what are you doing with all that stuff? Yeah. So the printer arrived. I did three different sessions of live streaming it. So there's like nine hours of building the printer. I've actually got it sitting right here. I just turned it off to be quiet during the podcast, but it actually runs incredibly quiet. Um, and I spent like the entire weekend of just obsessed with it. I, I didn't leave the house. I'm not joking. I stayed in the house the entire time. <laughs> I didn't force myself to like wake up and go shower. Cause I was like, I'm, I'm going to be complete <laughs> bummed otherwise, but, oh, good. but, uh, Otherwise, I've just been uh, iterating and printing out like piece after piece here, like doing test fits. So I've got my little posable robot hand test thing going. So super, super exciting. I'm going to be doing a whole bunch of that kind of stuff. As I learn any cool techniques or anything, maybe I can even put some videos together. Yeah, because you've been doing that in Cinema 4D, right? All the modeling for all oh, these yeah. pieces. Yep. And learning the, uh, the transfer yeah. software, the slicer software, and uh, getting it all ready and like scaling my scenes in Cinema 4D and seeing how different things fit and converting thing is pretty cool. That is cool. <laughs> you, That's next, awesome. You're going to start printing everything, like printing out your own salt and pepper shakers. Your it own. does take, it does take a while. I mean, the, the quality is pretty nice on here. It's not like incredible. I mean, the, the limitations of 3d printing, I think a lot of people don't think about 
you know, you can't make anything. There's a lot of limitations, but even when we were just doing our Monday morning meeting, I had this nice little piece printing out. So, but this took like 40 minutes, this tiny little thing I'm holding, you know, the size of like my fingertip <laughs> and it's 40 minutes to print that up. Um, you gotta keep that kind of stuff in mind, but. But so how often do you have to clean the the nozzles and stuff? Is it pretty easy to do or is it? So the re, there's different types of printers and this type of printer is like, it's a little more friendly where I can just like turn it off at night and in the morning, just turn it back on again and say, continue. So like, you know, every time I run a print, I have to peel off like this test strip that it, it kind of cleans off the extruder. Now, if you have some kind of catastrophic error, and it goes and makes a big snarl of loose things. It can go get melted to the heating element and it can make a real mess and you have to spend a bunch of time cleaning that. Um, so until something goes wrong, you don't have to do that much. And then you're supposed to like clean the bed. I actually just ordered some, uh, what do you call it? Like the ipropyl alcohol, whatever you have you say that word. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So you're supposed to like wipe it down in between every couple prints. And um, it's called moonshine, I think. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, the maintenance overall is not too bad. I've been learning all the little quirks of it. Like if it if a, if it would crash, then it would like rewind the filament out and then it wouldn't print. It's like, why is it printing? It's like, oh, because it, it evacuated the filament I, for whatever reason, you know, maybe as a safety precaution, I have to like refeed it in and clean things up and figure out the different tolerances from the bed. A lot of little calibrating, but it's been super fun. I've learned so much just over this weekend, even on the piece of software. Somebody awesome that's hanging out in the stream was recommending different things. And I've been learning Cura and like little little offsetty things and whatnot. It's it's super cool. It's actually it's a pretty nice piece of software. It's it's got something I've never specifically seen in a piece of software, which is cool, which is that they intentionally have it be very, very simple for a user where there's only like maybe like 10 settings you can mess around with, but you can go into the preferences and turn on settings and you can turn on like 150 different settings behind the scenes. And then those become part of your main interface. So as you, you're like, you know what, I need to add that to my workflow, then you can add that in and now you get control over it. Otherwise it's just making assumptions about it based off the basic settings. That was pretty cool. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's uh, that was my default answer when making iPhone apps. It's like, you need a setting for this. You need a setting for this. I'm like, no, we're going to hide all that. And then if you know the secret code, basically, you could go in and change it. But we're going to make a ton of assumptions. <laughs> I love software that does that. You know, like software that has an opinion, you know. I like that. Cool. So we're going to put up links here to uh, our Twitch page, which currently has some of the recordings that of Chris going through, uh, you know, setting up this printer. And, and stay tuned, too, because he's going to be um, – streaming more right uh i don't know well, i gotta figure it out uh, it's a tedious process right now because it's it's just like eight hours of sitting there printing nope didn't fit like change the size print again oop that one didn't work oh print again so uh but yeah it, it, once i know what i'm talking about then expect some videos and some more streams well i wanted to uh <clears throat> i wanted to tell everybody or uh, just share with everybody a blog post uh from almost 10 years ago i figured we do this real quick Wanted to share this because I thought it was interesting. Uh, and then we'd also talk about NAB. Uh, and maybe we should do that now because we're going to be at NAB. Um, and we're going to write up an official blog post and everything. But for any of you out there thinking about going to NAB, make sure you um, come find us on the show floor. And we're also going to be announcing some special events and stuff around that week. So uh, if you're coming to NAB, get ready. And if you don't know about NAB, um, 
you know, it's basically the 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 commercial software and hardware trade show for for all commercial work uh, and for all television. Really, it's it's the it's National production. Association of Broadcasting. It's more yeah, production yeah, production in general. Best way to, to 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 say it. So anywhere from all the way from the software that we all use to make this stuff to the cameras to the lenses to the lighting to the um, uh, the helicopters to the satellite dishes to everything drones. every part to drones tons of drones um, every part of the production process is in this giant hall in Vegas for three four days uh, in April I want to say April May April April yep. April. And uh, we'll be there. Tons of people show up. There's tons of parties all all week, and it's just great to have like to see everybody. It's like a it's like a second family. You show up, you see everybody that you know from the internet is there, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and you get to hang out with them and and kind of catch up. So if you're going to be in NAB, we're going to have a blog post and all that soon to, to let you know more details. But I I did want to let everybody know that we will be there once again. So it's super exciting to be there. And uh, I'll be doing a presentation at the Maxon booth. You know, Chris will be, be as well, so the, we'll be announcing that. Uh, so come on by. Um, the this blog post I wanted to share with you guys because it's almost it's almost ten years old, and it's uh, it's it's from February twenty eighth, two thousand and eight. And this blog post was the first blog post I wrote for Grayscale Gorilla's blog. <laughs> and so we we shared our nine year tutorial anniversary uh, maybe last couple weeks ago, and this blog post um, is is from almost ten years ago. And here's I just wanted to read it because uh, Chris was looking at it too. He's like, oh my gosh, it's half of this has already come true. Um, it says, well, welcome to the grayscalegorilla.com blog. I created this as an extension to my portfolio site. I constantly find ideas and techniques that inspire me in photography, motion design, film, web, business, and advertising. I hope to be able to share these ideas and thoughts through Grayscale Gorilla slash blog. Also, I tend to be a huge researcher when it comes to equipment, techniques, and toys. So uh, some people ask me what to buy because they know I did some serious work to come to a decision. Finally, if you have any questions about my photography, you can go to this link here. And of course, you could go to Creamy Orange to see my uh, my portfolio, which I think still works. That, that, my old reel is probably linked up there. Uh, feel free to send me an email. Uh, also, don't send me an email anymore. Uh, but you can also <laughs> put it in the comments. I never read email. Uh, also, with any new site comes little problems. If you see anything on the site, blah, blah, blah. Thanks for visiting. Come back soon. And like all first blog posts, it's just like, I made a blog, right? And then I also said, like, I'm going to share all these tips. But I just thought it was interesting, like, to go back and read something from 10 years ago. And it says literally, like, okay, it started as a photography blog. And so it says, where does it say? Photography, motion design, film, web, business, and advertising. And, and like, those, I still love all those things. Um, so it's just it's kind of interesting to look back at something like that and see where I, I I didn't know that when I wrote that blog post that we'd be here, um, you know, doing all these tutorials and seven employees and ten years into the future, this is still like a giant thanks uh, to me. So um, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of everything that we've been working on, and and I just wanted to share that with you guys because it was really interesting to see. Um, but I wanted to talk about. Some of the some of the topics from 
the um, Denver meetup and get your kind of like opinion on it. Um, so one one is like these third party renderers in general. And uh, when I guess the one of the questions that was going around and EJ and I were talking about it, some of the people in the audience were talking about it was like, when should you start to uh, incorporate a third party renderer into your workflow in general? Like, should that be something you start with right away? Like if you're learning Cinema 4D or is that something you should like push off into like wait until you get the basics and then start learning a third party renderer? And to me, I didn't really have a super clear answer on that. Um, do you guys you guys have any thoughts about something like that? Because that general idea came up a lot. Like, should I get into this? I would say that you got to ask yourself, are you why are you asking that question? Like, what is it that's driving that question to even be asked? Is it because you just see other people diving in and it's something you feel like you should know because you want to stay current? There's that's valid. Um, if you're doing work, if you're not, if you don't need it in your work, like you're getting away with whatever you've been doing thus far and it's working for you. Uh, maybe it's not a high priority, but you just want to do it to stay current or stay, have it be fun or try something new. Totally valid. Uh, I'd say there's no there's no answer that will work for everyone. It's a completely um, uh, a, a personal sort of object subjective subjective. Is that the word I'm looking for? <laughs> yeah, decision. So it's not um, it's not really uh, you know the debate I've heard too is like oh do, should I learn uh, physical before I learn a different renderer and. I would say that if you're coming, if you've never used any other 3D application before, then yes, you should know the you should know the default renderer of that application because that's only going to help you later down the line. If you already came, if you're coming from a different 3D program, Maya, Max, Softimage, Blender, whatever, and you have that theory already. You already know that you already have that knowledge of how 3D rendering works, and you just want to jump into whatever's going to give you the best result that you can give your client. I don't think it's absolutely necessary that you learn every nuance and every nook and cranny of the native renderer. That's my opinion. What do you yeah, guys think? That's a tough one. Yeah, Chris, do you have any thoughts about this? I know you're starting to experiment with some of these other renderers, and you've really dug you've really dug deep into what the physical render is capable of and layering and all that stuff. How do you view, how do you view looking at these, these other renders and if, and when you should switch? Uh, well, I haven't, I've spent a total of about 10 minutes on Arnold. So that's the extent of my experience in third party <laughs> rendering. So the current plan is we're, we're actually in the, uh, in the process of maybe looking at some nice PC like workhorses over here. And if I end up with a nice PC workhorse, then I think it will officially be time to like dive in and grab a third-party renderer and start using it. I, just like the 3D printing I'm doing, I don't tend to dive into things casually, so it's going to be like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna poke holes in this thing. We're gonna figure out like this means this, this means this. How does this work? Where are the limitations? Like, just test all of the all the boundaries and see everything it can do. So, the kind of thing, I tend not to be casual with it. So, it would be diving in all the way. I would definitely think knowing the native renderer is, a, as a general rule, important. Um, I, I think it was even interesting, Chad's phrasing there as he was speaking, where he said, if, if you're still getting away with using 
the you know the physical render like implying like getting away meaning you know like your time is numbered here like days are numbered <laughs> you don't have uh well they're not developing it anymore so that that statement is completely true right so along those lines you know maybe it's not a rush to do it but inevitably you will want to do it and i mean at a certain point you can't argue with the results like you get super sexy looking images out of some of these third-party renderers with with somewhat minimal work like when you talk about physical and especially back when we were talking about standard you have to do a lot to fake things you know i remember all the pre-gi days or even when you had some basic gi you only would ever have like one bounce so it's like oh well go and put a light in the corner so that it gives you the proper bounce to come up in the other direction. We need some ambient red because the blankets are red. So let's put it in a red light. Like that, although that doesn't make any, you know, doesn't make any sense for real, but it's what you had to do. And now, especially with all the third party rendering, you just, you make a scene, you make a material for the light and it just works. It works the way you'd expect it to. So you're not fighting the software to get the result you're expecting. So it, it gives you the ability to just kind of think about things realistically to a much greater degree. When I think growing up in the older versions of Cinema 4D, you get very used to faking everything. Like you're, you're going at it from an art, maybe more of an artistic eye because you're like, here's what I have in my head. What do I have to do to achieve that? Where now you're like, well, uh, here's, a, here's a bed, here's a dresser. Let's put on the bed material. Let's put on the dresser material. Create a light. That's what I get. Uh, because you are getting kind of, maybe closer to reality. You don't have to overthink it. Well, I think so, to a certain extent, physical can do that. And I, I think it does it really well. It just doesn't do it very quickly. That's definitely true. Because <laughs> yeah, physical it, brought that level of realism and bouncing and, and physically based shaders and all that stuff to cinema. Yeah, but it, it's just a speed issue. And yeah, it's that's... Well, that's, I, um, also too, the, the thing that I always... I get that question a lot, like, you know, do I need to learn uh, a third-party render? And it, and I, I do believe that if the work that you're doing doesn't require it and you're not curious and you're just fine doing the way that you've always done it, then no, you don't. But if you want to do things faster, if you want to... Uh, maybe work with a team that uses something else, or it's if the if the knowledge is limiting you in any way, your ability to get work done fast, your ability to to be competitive with other freelancers or whatever it is, then yes, you should learn one of them, or in my case, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chad's learning them all, so so he can make decisions for you. <laughs> no, I don't want that. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's all gonna be on you, Chad. Oh Jesus, help uh, me. Well, we you know, and we have that we have that blog post too that you guys should check out if you're w wondering which one is for you. Physical is still a part of that blog post, so you can go uh, read that post. Uh, Chad did a lot of you know writing and and working into like which render specifically works for for each type of genre and what you're working on. So we're gonna link that up. Let me make sure we link that up in the show notes here. What do you think? Uh, do you think anything has changed along those lines, Chad? Is that still accurate? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's pretty accurate. Um, I think if you go back into that that movie I made about you know comparing things to cars, that was pre Redshift, so I think Redshift would probably be in there as well. Um, 
I haven't really given it much thought as to what type of car Redshift would be yet, but I imagine it would be somewhere in between. Um, I forget. It was like Octane, I think I said, was like a Formula One car. And yep. um, I'm trying to remember what I said Arnold was. I think I may have said it was an SUV. I think so. I can't it was remember. like physical was the sedan that will right. get you from A to B. It doesn't have any frills. It won't get you there fast, but it is totally capable uh, as as like a transportation vehicle. Yeah, um, Octane is like finely tuned to go as fast as possible, but it's not practical in so many applications. If you like want to put your luggage in the trunk, or if you want to you know, like, uh, put, put a car seat in it. It's, it's like designed to go fast, but not much, not a lot of other things. Um, and then, um, you said, what was it? Arnold was the SUV that is, um, like it's got it all. Um, and it still gets you a to B and it, it, the only where the only reason that breaks down is I feel like it's, it's faster than physical. So car, the car metaphor is, well, it's more utilitarian. It it can it, it's it's got the features uh, that you would want. You can drive it off road. You can drive it on the highway. You can it, you can throw a lot at it, and it's gonna it's gonna run. Uh, I would say that Redshift kind of sits somewhere in between the Formula One and the SUV metaphor, where it's not quite as utility and and feature packed as Arnold. It doesn't have, um, maybe it doesn't have all wheel drive. Maybe it <laughs> doesn't have, uh, it's a, it's a stock know, car, yeah. stock car racer, <laughs> but it's, it's pretty quick. Um, you could probably take it out on the trail as well as on the road. It's versatile, but yeah, I think that it, it, I, I'll probably update that at some point, but getting back to your original question, not a lot has really changed in that, in that article. Uh, some things have gotten easier in both. I think we're starting to see feature parity across all of them. Well, across what I would consider to be the major three octane redshift Arnold, um, where they all are sort of reaching this uh, same level of features and level of, of uh, connection to cinema 40. I think that uh, some I'm, I'm really excited about Arnold GPU. I think that's probably going to be a big disruption when that comes out. Uh, that'll be like all the features plus the speed. I think a lot of people are really waiting to see what, what that looks like. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a very interesting topic, though, about like, do you, do you tell someone to skip learning the, the internal renderer? And I, I kind of always, I would, I, I always, try to tell people not to avoid learning anything uh, because I think you should learn it all. If you were asked to ask me, I would say, no, don't not learn anything, learn all of it. I know that's not practical and people don't have time for that. So usually the next question is, well, are you familiar with the concepts behind rendering and lighting and all that sort of thing? Then if you sort of came from another engine, another program, then maybe you can learn enough of physical to to get in there and tweak something and get the job done, but you could probably jump right in to a third party renderer as well uh, and do both. Uh, I think that uh, that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, I would never, I, I don't think I would ever deliberately say, I can't think of any situation where it would be beneficial to not know anything about the physical renderer. 
Like right. that would not be a good idea uh, because you're going to get a file that's going to have some shaders in it. It's still there. It's built in. All of the render engines that tie on to Cinema 4D are using this, a similar language uh, somewhat to those to the physical render and standard render. So yes, knowing that is like is a good thing. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I agree, right? Like, you don't want to, if you can learn it in its most basic form, it will help you down the road as well, all the, all the different renders. I'm glad that I know, you know, standard and physical, and that, it's also, it's also like, you don't want to buy a bunch of extra stuff when you don't know the core part of it. But then again, if you know, like, I think you got it right. If you are coming from another 3D world where you know about rendering, you know about all this stuff, and you and you're just ready to jump in, maybe that's a good excuse to like skip it. But if you are, if if this is your first time learning all this stuff, definitely learn the physical render. It's super capable. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. Another topic. Yeah, if you want to finish up, sorry. No, I I, I was I was pretty much done. I think we just we can move on. Just wanted another thing that came up a, a couple different ways in, in different questions, and I wish I could remember everybody that asked all these questions, but the the goal, the idea is, the, the question is always asked in this way, where do you see our industry going in five years? Or where do you see yourself in five years? Or where do you see, you know, anything in five years? There's these like fortune telling questions, which I don't know who invented those questions. I feel like they're a question that, is like they feel like they need to be asked sometimes, but but I I, I'm, I had a long discussion um, after the meetup or during the meetup I guess after I was done talking about like what that what the what the goal of that question is when people ask that question I don't think what they're at, I don't think what they're asking is where do you think the industry will be in five years I there's like a secondary question in there that I was trying to figure out what it means because. Because nobody knows, right? Like the, the answer to that question and almost every time is like, I'm going to take a guess and then be right or wrong. And I don't know how helpful that is for anybody. But I think behind that question, there's some sort of what should I be doing? What should I be doing to prepare myself for the next five years? You know, you know what I mean? Like the, what the, I feel like what they really ask is what things should I be doing now to make sure that this is still a career that I, that I could do in five years, or um, what, and maybe it has to do with this renderer thing too. Like, what render should I be learning to be relevant and make sure I'm not picking the wrong horse? But we talked about this a lot, and I I don't know if there's a right answer. I don't know it's if if there's ever a a, a good answer to that question that 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 is helpful in any way other than. Um, get as much information as you can about what you like to do, where the industry is going, and then go in that direction as hard as you can. And like, um, I don't know, this, this is definitely a, a, a big question we don't have a ton of time for, but it's, I wanted to get it out there maybe to our audience of like, what does that question mean? And how can we start to answer that in a, a, a way that helps the community? And so are there, are there guidelines or ways that you think about the next five years, uh, Chad or Chris, to to you know make sure that things are going to be okay in five years. Um, I tend to not really think that far ahead, to be honest. Uh, I think I'm. I just sort of 
try to ride the waves, I guess, and not try to, I, I don't spend too much time thinking about where the whole thing's going to be in five to 10 years. Uh, mainly I think cause things change so quickly. Uh, I would have, there's certain things that that you can tell are going to happen that are sort of a no-brainer um but as far as like stuff five ten years from now i'm not entirely sure i made some predictions at at half res was that half res five? Year before yeah. half res five and um i did my nostradamus thing where i sort of said where what i think people would be doing and I think a lot of it's come true. I think one of the major ones was like, I think at that time I said, the majority of you are going to use, uh, or be, will be on PC. You'll be rendering either at home or on the cloud. You'll probably be using a third party renderer. You'll probably be looking at node-based compositing. You'll probably, and a lot of these things are happening, but that wasn't like crazy like outrageous knowledge it was sort of like that's what i was seeing happening it wasn't it wasn't that these things just popped into my crystal ball it was because i saw people moving into these things so i think as long as you remain observant and pay attention and learn things and learn 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 the principles of things not the um this is another, I guess this could be a whole other podcast, which is the idea of learning the the concept of something, not necessarily the uh, uh, the the software of it, if that makes sense. So learn rendering, don't learn the renderer. Learn animation, don't learn the XYZ program. So the idea of if you learn the principles or the foundations of a particular subject, then it's way easier to pick up the actual delivery system uh, of the renderer or the software or whatever. So if you learn the fundamentals of these things, it becomes easier to sort of learn them. And that's something that I, I try to stress to people that are sort of like on the fence or sort of intimidated about learning node-based compositing, nodes and materials, third-party rendering, other pieces of software. It's like, well, don't, don't think about it like that. Let, think about it like learning. Once you learn a language, it, it, it's not really in what notebook you write it down in, this new language. You're able to speak the language now. So you can speak it, you can write it, you can do whatever. So it's if you learn the fundamentals of, of what uh, of how these renderers work, whether you started with physical or I'm bringing it back around to that original topic, the, um, the, then, then it becomes easier to speak a different language. If you know the fundamentals of that language, then you can tweak it to speak it in a different dialect. Is that tracking? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it sounds like a, a topic we bring up a lot here, but it's like, I, it always helps me to abstract it to a, another um, creative thing that we all know, and that's like cameras, right? Like learn how to take a great photo before you learn each individual technical way a camera works. And, and it sounds like that's a little bit what you're saying. Like don't don't learn the tool. Don't 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 go out and say I'm going to learn Cinema 4D. Go out and say I'm like you know why like why are you learning these things? And it's to 
create an image to move somebody. It's a, it's to create an image to sell something. It's to create a, an image to um, make your friend happy or whatever that is. So thinking about it that way is really like, I don't know, that, that that's like such a, a great way to think about those things. Well, even zooming in, that in slightly, you can learn, you know, don't learn, you know, specifically after effects, like, uh, don't learn specifically Cinema 40, learn modeling, learn animation, learn like these broader stroke yes. like, concepts and tools. And now like the flavor of the month isn't important. You've got the fundamentals down. And then I, I, even zooming out more, like you just said, Nick, like that would be super valuable. To me, thinking about, you know, the future question, you know, five years from now, like that, that I think that does come in two flavors. One that comes from individuals who are, like you said, trying to future-proof themselves a little bit. And then the other comes from like anybody who's doing like an interview type question. It's always what they go to a company and ask, like, where do you see this technology being in 30 years? It's just such a simple question to ask if you feel like you're talking to somebody who's in some sort of authority. And it's always supposed to be that if anybody ever tells you something is coming out like more than like three years from now, or this thing will happen three years, like don't believe them. Like that's like, like impossible to predict. And then 30 years, it's just like, okay, that's just future tech. Like who knows what it, it'll be too much stuff changes. I don't but even the, know what I'm eating for dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know where you're sleeping tonight. Yeah, I mean, I don't, there's like, there's so much to that question where it's like, man, I would if I knew that, I wouldn't be here talking. <laughs> you know, like that's such a that's such a um, that's such a tough thing. And I interrupted you, Chris. Keep going, buddy. Yeah, I have two two main thoughts. Uh, to be specific, I think that we're going to be seeing if I'm trying to predict the future. We're going to be seeing a lot of machine learning, like, and I think it's going to be, it's going to be the, it's going to be, what's the right term? I want to say almost like a dumb use of a really smart system. And the idea is going to be that there's going to be machine learning to draw out a mountain range. So it's like, okay, it's really simple to draw a mountain range. It's like, oh, here's machine learning in order to draw like a dynamic path where something can try and travel along that path. All this really cool machine learning on a kind of a tool by tool basis. So I think the future is going to head in that direction where some processes that feel like they take cartoonishly long right now are going to become very fast and very smart. And they're going to be individual tools and it's going to come in very piecemeal. So I think I think five years from now, we're going to see a lot of that kind of thing implemented. And we're going to see that in, in 2D stuff. We're going to see that in 3D. We're going to maybe see a lot of that in rendering, like just every type of system you can think of. Uh, yeah, that, in the, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was about to shift it slightly. I, I, was, I wanted to stay on that AI topic while, while it was fresh in my mind, but there was a story that I read on The Verge uh, about how when uh, Hen Henry uh, Cavill, I'm not know if I, I don't know if I'm saying that name right, but he plays Superman in the Justice, Justice League. They had reshoots that they wanted to do, but he had already grown a mustache for his next role. And they wouldn't let him shave the mustache for these reshoots because he was supposed to have the mustache for Mission Impossible, I think. So they had to paint, they had someone paint out his mustache on a bunch of shots. And it didn't look very good, apparently. I haven't seen it, so I can't really speak to the quality of it. But it apparently didn't go over too well. Yeah. And so the uncut, uncanny valley upper lip. Yeah. So somebody took. Uh, a cheap AI solution and and tried to see if it could teach it what his face looked like when it didn't have a mustache. And the AI version apparently is better than the version that they put out uh, in the film. So that was an, an instance where just a little bit of teaching AI 
something like what what this guy's face looked like without a mustache, and it immediately could then take out his mustache. Yeah, that stuff <laughs> that stuff is going to be crazy. So there's going to be, cool. be a lot of jobs that are going to go away for sure. Um, but it's also but it's also going to open up where it's like, oh, we need we need the person who can you know like we're adding and removing mustaches all the time now maybe more jobs are created because of like the ease to do this type of thing now like you're opening I'm up so many more possibilities if somebody out there wants to do some ai like add some hair to me <laughs> i'll <laughs> gladly, that stuff, gladly that, take that that stuff is totally coming but if you want to get into the more practical range i think when you start trying to predict too much on a personal level like to maybe future proof yourself, you're actually just doing yourself a disservice because yeah. you can think about it in a very literal way when it comes to like any kind of hardware, like you're looking into getting a new machine or like me buying the 3D printer. Like I can go and like be waiting for the perfect printer and keep looking down the road and see this new technology. And I'm waiting until that new technology is implemented. And once, imp once that's implemented, I'm going to buy that. But before that happens, this other new technology comes out and I'm waiting for this new, you know, this new CPU to be ready to be put in the machine and do like, you can take that idea and apply it to like your career and be like, oh, I'm waiting for this, or I'm waiting for this, or I'm waiting for, or I'm going to future-proof myself by learning this other technology. But that technology like isn't ripe yet. It's not ready to be picked. So being open to just learning new things when it comes time to learn them, when it's like, okay, this is really a thing and people are starting to do it, like I'm going to start getting into it. But if you put yourself on the cutting edge, like how many, every time you're on the cutting edge of something, like that might just fall away. It never, it never takes off. So that you can just shoot yourself in the foot by trying to overthink the future. It's just, you know, just don't live in a cave, pay a little bit of attention to what's going on. And, and it's often better just pull the trigger right now. Like three years ago, was it, was it time to immediately jump out and grab a third party render? Well, maybe not, but nowadays most people are doing it. It seems there's, there's content out there. There's tutorials, a lot of people using it. There's a lot of render farm options. So like, okay, now it's a solid time to learn third party rendering where three years ago, you know, that was uh, that was maybe a little bit more questionable or they weren't quite ripe yet. There's so many changes. Everything's changing constantly. So that's where I sit I think on that. The big question on everybody's mind right now is, are we on Vero? <laughs> right? No, I, don't, I don't get no, it. No, we're not. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I had, I I had to. I had to. That's the tool, right? That's the tool. And... The, the thing to remember is that any tool, just like Vero, Instagram, YouTube, whatever you're, you're doing, is designed for a purpose. And so the goal is like, okay, what are you doing on Instagram? Why are you doing that? And does this new tool serve this purpose better? I think that's really like, I, you know me, especially as we try to wrap up here in the next couple minutes, I always try to take these like specific topics and how the future is going to go and try to like bring it out to something that is could that we could try to apply to everything. And even like you mentioned it, like Instagram, people are moving from Instagram to this new platform. And the, re the, the, the reasons and the tech and the it, it doesn't do the right stuff is almost irrelevant. The goal is to say, you have something to do. You have something you want to accomplish. Now, what tools do you need to accomplish it? And what tools are out there to help you do it? And at least that's how I see the world. And, and, and what it makes me think of are like some of the things you could do to future-proof yourself in this, in this world. And I, I wrote down three things here, which I think might help just as we wrap up. One is learning how you learn and learning how to learn will always benefit you no matter what changes happen in the future. 
So like if you want to try to future proof yourself and think of and be relevant in five years, learning how you learn, if, is it visual? Is it through people? Is it through YouTube? Is it by doing? We've talked about this in past episodes. We all learn slightly differently. Figure that out for yourself and focus on that as like something you're working on hard. Number two, start making stuff with what you have and don't wait for the new thing all the time. That's kind of what Chris was saying about, you know, trying to future proof yourself can slow you down because you're like, well, I can't make renders now until I get redshift. Well, no, no, you could, you could do, we could do right now, beautiful work with physical, learn and hone your skills and learn techniques and then be even more ready when you get a new renderer. So make something now with what you have. Um, it's like, you know, again, bringing it to another uh, creative platform. If you wanted to go build a birdhouse or whatever, what tools do you have right now that you could get as close as you can? And maybe that's some styrofoam and cutting a hole in it, but, but go build it now. And then that will inform you to what tools you might need to learn in the future. Um, and three, uh, and we talk about this a lot too, but learn what doesn't change. Future-proof yourself by learning things that don't change quickly. So these are things like animation, like how to animate, uh, composition, color theory, um, design skills, how to talk to clients, how to get more work for your company, um, how to work in a team, how to like like be in a relationship with other people and, and like work work on uh, uh, work how to work within a budget. Those things don't change in five years. And the skills that you put into those things will still be relevant and will still help you, you know, um, meet more people and get better jobs over time. So uh, there's, I'm probably missing something in there, but those, those things are, are what, what are going to future-proof you more than like picking the exact right piece of software or, the, or knowing that VR is going to be a thing in five years or whatever. Um, is there anything else to add to, to that before we wrap up? I'm good. Any like big, big things? Cool. Um, uh, nope. <laughs> you nailed it. You, I think right. you got it. But, all right, last question, Chad. What was that audio? Was that me or does the audio just get really weird right there? Into a robot. Is it me? Yeah. yeah okay. Now okay. your audio. We're going audio... to wrap this one up for Nick while he figures that one out. Um, I think the the last little thing that we didn't uh, cover was make sure you go out uh, go and check out Gorilla Cam, the newest plugin from Grayscale Gorilla. We uh, we did yeah we launched that on Tuesday. Uh, as you're listening to this, it's still on sale, but uh, go and check it out. We got tons of videos, lots of cool stuff. We got a new video going up on YouTube real soon of us doing a live stream. Me and Chad kind of breaking down the entire thing. That was super fun. That was a good um, Chad's got breakdown videos. Nick's got a breakdown video. I've got all these really long form tutorials explaining every single setting. Uh, but yeah, we're, a lot of people are getting their hands on Gorilla Cam. It's been a lot of fun. It's been really cool seeing it go out into the world. It's always really satisfying to see something we've been working on for so long and, and so hard getting yeah, out definitely. there and people using it and loving it. So that's been super fun. So if you make anything cool with it, make sure to let us know. Um, yeah, shout out to the uh, GSG Connect members uh, out there doing good stuff with it. I see a lot of people are digging it. And if you own any of our products, you can join us on GSG Connect Slack and talk all about your favorite parts of motion design. Yeah, I think that will cover everything. Um, 
Yeah, that's cool. Uh, see you guys on uh, AskGSG this week on uh, Wednesday, regular time. Be sure to check out the live page on Grayscale Grill Love to uh, see the schedule for that kind of thing. But that should wrap this one up. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching the Grayscale Gorilla podcast, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.